What defines crazy? One way Urban Dictionary defines crazy is someone who will go against the rules. A person who acts in a manner that normal society does not approve of. We would add that crazy can be defined as enigmatic, meaning mysterious or speaking in riddles, often misunderstood. God tells us in Isaiah 55, 8-9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Yet even though he is enigmatic, he tells us in seven places in scripture that if we seek him, we will find him when we search with all of our heart. Journey with us as we seek him and explore the evidence that confirms God be crazy. Welcome back to God Be Crazy. Christy, you and I have been talking about times in our lives when we were struggling with living out our faith. And you asked me if I had ever experienced anything that caused me to consider walking away from God completely. And I said, no, I haven't. Right. And I was like, wow. I was surprised. It kind of caught me off guard. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I've struggled with sin like every other person and my own selfishness, but never, I've never been at a crossroads where I've truly contemplated walking away from God. I mean, as you and I have talked about, our relation, our, our early beginnings in life are very different. Yeah, our upbringings. Our upbringings are really different. Um, and so, and you had mentioned that you had, that you had contemplated walking yes. away from God. And because we've talked about so many of our differences, some of which we've talked about on other episodes, but um, we talk about, or we've talked about how we had just different starts in life. I had, I grew up in a relatively safe home and safe environment where I felt emotionally um, secure, I would say. And um, we've kind of established through other episodes, if you've listened to those, that you had a rough traumatic start to this earth. (laughs) And that shaped, of course, and impacted your ability to trust God and rely on God in hard times. So can you kind of expound upon that? Yeah. Um, For for start, I want to say that I, several times in my life, it's crossed my mind to just walk away from God, walk away from the church, walk away from all of those things. Because in those moments, I felt like those were the only choices that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, from a young age and throughout my abusive childhood, I found myself on many occasions begging God to intervene on my behalf. Send somebody to save me, to rescue me. Stop the abuse. Um, Put somebody in my life to guide me. Let me go anywhere else. Like, just give me an out, you know? Mm -hmm. And I did not walk away from him then. Even in my anger and my fear and my sadness, I still pursued him. Although I didn't always feel like I could hear him or see him or feel him. Or even really believed that he was there. Mm-hmm. There was a time when I was really young that I started, when I started actually asking to go to church. Um, because my family, you know, they didn't, they they go to church now, but they didn't go to church when I was kids. Mm-hmm. And, or when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And um, so going to church, we went for vacation Bible school or maybe to like a summer camp 
thing or something mm-hmm. if somebody invited us. But, like, really going to church, having... If y'all hear that thunder, I just want... It's a beautiful rainy night, and just ignore that. God's here. Um, but my family didn't have prayer time as a family. Mm-hmm. We didn't read the Bible together. That was not... You were not com- led and brought no, up. No, that it. was not commonplace in my household. Mm-hmm. You know, so what What church God Bible that I got... Now, I had grandmothers and great-grandmothers who were, you know, religious and who believed and who shared things with me, and occasionally I'd go to church with them. But as far as, like, my everyday life, it was not... It did not revolve around God. Mm-hmm. But I because of what I experienced in life, always wanted to believe that there was something, someone out there, bigger than me, stronger than me, who could control it all, who would help me, who would love me, who would do all the things that I wasn't getting in that moment. Who was fighting for you on your behalf. And so I pursued God. Mm. All throughout my childhood. And there were a few times that things would happen in life. You know, just things. You know, when my great-grandmother died, that was something for me that was hard. She was a believer. And I I got the opportunity to ask her, are you scared to die? And her answer was no. And I was like, ugh, I don't even understand that. Because I hadn't, at that point, I hadn't had a relationship, a real relationship with God. Now, I had pursued Him. Mm -hmm. I had wrestled with Him. Mm -hmm. And I had... But I I didn't know how to have a relationship with God. I knew of the God in the Bible from the church that I had attended and from talking to the few people in my family that were Christians Mm -hmm. at the time. And but I didn't have a relationship with God. And it wasn't until I was in my teenage years that I found that and I got my own real relationship with God Mm -hmm. where I felt the Holy Spirit at work in my life, where I surrendered my will to his where I felt like I was finally where he wanted me to be as far as like how the course of my life was going. Mm-hmm. And life happened again. You know, we had some problems in the church that I was in. It was a small church filled with people who loved each other, but it was small and in a small church in a small family run church you know, and family-led church, sometimes things happen. And when those things happen, I was, because I was a teenager and I was, I didn't have family that was involved in church, I went by myself. And so I was really close to church leadership and the family of the church um, that I was attending. And when things, some things come to light, not about anything the preacher or pastor or anything like that did but there were some issues like in everybody's family Mm -hmm. and everybody's life but one of the kids the pastor's kids had had a problem with drugs and I was the same age and we were we were good friends but I was so worried about him and I wanted him to I didn't want him to die I was Mm -hmm. scared for him Mm -hmm. and he was scared but we didn't know how to go about saying anything and so I said something to the pastor who is his dad I said something to them and I mean it's hard for you to believe something about I mean I feel like I was believed but it's hard for your family 
to believe something like that about you. Mm -hmm. And I knew how bad my friend was struggling. And to me, it was worth, in the moment, not having that support and that family that I had grown to... I mean, they they supported me like a family that I wish I had in my own family. Mm-hmm. And it was also my church family. And that, that ended up not working out well for me because... Telling the truth to help him. Yes. That's what you and did. It, yes. I, I told them because I was worried for him. And he wanted help, but he didn't know how to ask. And I get it because if the shoes had been on the other feet, I wouldn't have known how to ask either, you know? And... I believe that his parents believe me, but his sister, who was also a great friend of mine at the time, um, she struggled because her little brother was her best friend, you know, one of her best friends. And the love that that family had for each other was, you know, unmatched. And because of that, it it caused a riff with me and that family. And because they were over the church that I was in, it, mm. it caused problems. And it wasn't, they did not, I'm going to make this very clear, they did not ostracize me or anything like that, but there was an unspoken brokenness between me and both of the kids. There was another kid too, but he really wasn't involved in this scenario. But between my friend, the sister, and um, her brother that was also my my friend, there was a there was a brokenness there that, was never going to be fixed. Mm -hmm. There was a trust that was broken. I feel like it was on my part. But these are things, I just want to make this clear. This is not God walking away from me. This is me finding a place where I thought I was supposed to be with Mm. people of God. And, you know, one of only a few safe places that I had had throughout my life. And in that moment, when those things broke, it broke something else in me. Mm. And when that happened, I pulled away. I pulled back. I stopped going to... I mean, I was in every Sunday, morning and night, every Wednesday, go to prayer meetings. We knocked doors, you know, to like to, to tell people about God. And when this, when this happened, it changed me. Mm. And that change caused me to pull back. And when I pulled back, it gave the enemy the opportunity... To feed me little half-truths. Mm. See, you weren't important to God. Mm. See, you weren't a part of that family. You didn't belong in that church. God doesn't really love you. Mm. There's no help for you. And as I listened to those things over and over, it got in my heart, you know, mm. because I quit going to church. I didn't feel like I had people, anybody I could lean on because... The people that I would have leaned on, there was a rift there now. Mm-hmm. And I know, I know now, and I stand by my decision 100% that I absolutely did the right thing and that um, it was completely out of love and care. Mm-hmm. And I never wanted there to be a rift. And I often wonder what would have happened if that hadn't happened. But I feel like. It happened because there were different plans. And I had to walk through some of the things I walked through because I chose that path. And I say that because God is in control of everything, but ultimately we have free will. 
and we have cho- we have choices and the choices every choice that we make affects not only our next step but those are of the people around us absolutely and pulling away from the church and you know honestly i don't even know if in if the reality was that they felt any different towards me but that is how it felt to me and that was the only reality that i had right and i couldn't talk to them about it because they had this, their son that was in the middle of a crisis that they were trying to figure out and i'm the person that threw him under the bus you know and it, and i say it like that not meaning that i did anything wrong or he did anything wrong mm-hmm. or they did anything wrong just to say that I felt like that safety and that security was gone. Mm-hmm. And so... That you had looked for for a long yeah. time, by the way. Like, that's... It matters a lot. The wound was deeper, and the enemy could lie because it was caught up in a trauma and in a longing that you'd had. Yeah. You'd wanted family, safe family. You'd wanted emotional connections. You'd mm-hmm. wanted... God to show up in the form of the hands and feet of other humans on the earth. And you'd been praying and begging and asking since you were a little kid. I mean, you told me at eight or nine, you walked yourself down the road to the church. Yeah, I was eight. (laughs) I mean, I cannot imagine. I did. I went to talk to the pastor of the church because I had questions and I needed them answered. Like you were in in hot pursuit as a kid for these big, like huge, huge questions some mature adults, well, I don't know if we'd argue if they're mature, if they're not <laughs> asking those questions, but, but but adults don't even ask. Some adults yeah. live their whole life and they don't ask the questions you're asking at eight. And so, um, so you were, you know, you had longed for that. It was a much easier lie to believe because you'd already felt like you didn't have a family. You'd yeah. already had those whispers of the em- enemy before that he didn't care, that God didn't really care. Because if he did, he would show up. Or if he did, he would stop that that bad thing from yeah. happening. And or quit taking all the people that I felt safe with, mm-hmm. you know? And so, as I fell away, pulled back by not going to church as much, kind of dwindling out of the youth group, you know, youth activity. Just pull up. You fall away. Yeah. pulled back. Yeah, yeah. And... I couldn't imagine at that time in my life missing church. Like, it made me sad to even think about because that's all I wanted to do. And then, as I missed one, then two, then three, and then all of a sudden I hadn't been in a month, and then three months, and then I hadn't been in a year. And next thing I know, I'm sitting and I've gone off to college and I'm sitting in a group with these people and everybody's talking about God and they're, they're talking about not believing in God. And they're like, oh, but Christy, she must, she's the holy roller. And I was like, I don't believe in God either. And I said those words out of my mouth. And when I said them out of my mouth, my heart kind of, ooh, Because that was what I was saying with my mouth. But that wasn't how I really felt in my heart. But hanging out with people who didn't believe in God and who didn't have any experience of him made it super hard for me to want that back Mm -hmm. i looked at them and i i looked at their lives and honestly the funny part is their life wasn't any better than what i had you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. 
they just had normal lives too. But there was a that longing that I had to know to know God and to be in a relationship with Him never truly went away. It was just I just kept pushing it down. Mm-hmm. I just kept pushing it down because I felt like it was never going to get fulfilled. Mm-hmm. I was never going to get that. And I struggled from then, from that experience, I struggled from then until 2012. And in that struggle, well, I want to bring this back to something real quick. Even when I was full on in that church and invested in doing all the things, there were many nights that I would find myself either in prayer or after prayer. I would talk to my friend, um, the pastor's daughter, like I would talk to her sometimes and I would just... I would be in tears and distraught because all of them seemed to have something that I never had. And that was a knowing. Mm. Like, they knew that, and I use this term this way because that's how it was told. They knew that they knew that they knew that if anything happened without a doubt, they were certain of their salvation. And in the midst of all of that, I never felt, I never felt that. And I did have experience with the Holy Spirit. I I was a believer. I Mm -hmm. have read the Bible. I knew the Bible, a lot of it, like I wouldn't say front to back, but I mean, I I could quote scripture as well as anybody I knew, you Mm -hmm. know, and I studied and I loved God and I, but I never felt that relationship with him. I always felt like I didn't have that certainty. And I never, I had asked many times, like, how do you know? And they're like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. All you have to do is believe and, you know, repent and mm-hmm. trust him. And I was just like, okay. Trust was a foreign but, concept, though. Yes, you it know, was. The foundation had already been laid with other humans not to trust. <laughs> no one was trustworthy. The subjective feeling of trust in your primary relationships with primary caretakers, primary people who should have should be primary, All right? <laughs> um, defaulted on that role, let you down, and trust went with that. Yeah, you know. People are the first taste we have on this earth to trust or distrust. We learn if our basic needs are met to trust the people around us. And you didn't have that. Right. And so then with the, those foundations being so, you know, fragile, and then you're supposed to reach for this God who you also can't see can't touch can't it's like (laughs) and that i've been pursuing forever and i still felt like my life was a giant mess Mm -hmm. (laughs) and there are so many people listening as you tell this story i'm thinking about all of you listening that have these really rough starts these early you know like young early childhood wounds where you needed someone to be there. You needed your mom, your dad, your grandmother, your whomever to be there emotionally. Like like many people are physically there. I'm t- I understand yeah. that. But there are emotional needs that just go very unmet or 
we get forgotten, we get neglected, we are not seen, not known. Someone's not infinitely curious about us. Right. And that's known. You know, you know that as a child. But we wake up, you know, John Eldridge says that, um, that you know, little boys are always asking of their dads, Dad, do you see me? Am I a real man? They're all, you know, we're always asking of our parents, am I captivating? Hello, over here. Like, do you notice me? And um, we're all asking that in some form. Like, do I matter? Do I matter to you? Yeah. Do you see me? And if you don't get that answer in the nonverbal way, with touch, with comfort, with security, with, uh, with you know, with being pursued, being looked at, and seen and known, then you kind of feel like you're just out there on your own. And you longed for that. Mm-hmm. And so then the trusting God whom you can't see becomes a giant stretch when the people you can are right there in your physical room and don't see you. Yeah. And they're, they're, that's many people's story. Mm-hmm. I've heard that story countless times. Countless times. And in the walking away from him, I realized that my heart never was in it, but my mouth, my head. And we talk a lot about you can know something in your head. You can have the knowledge of something, Mm -hmm. but knowing it in your core to your Mm -hmm. bones, a real knowing of things is a totally different deal. Mm -hmm. And while I believed in God for a while, I actually convinced my own self that I didn't believe in God. And that was an interesting time in my life. Very crazy. The things that I allowed into my life because I walked away from him. Mm. Um, And then I freaked out because like I said, I had a fair knowledge of scripture and (laughs) Um, I realized that, well, it was too late for me now. I had blasphemed against the Holy Spirit and I was going to hell. There was no, that's an unpardonable sin. And that's what I had been taught. That's what I had thought had happened. I'd said I didn't believe in God after I did. And I was like, thankfully, Jesus set the record straight. He pointed me back to the Bible, back to the Bible and to other people that with, that wisdom, but mm-hmm. also back to the Bible, even uh, Peter denied Christ three times. And um, there's a difference, and God knows the difference between the people who say something and the people who mean something. Mm-hmm. He knows our hearts, and that's why I think it's always important that we leave that judging mm-hmm. of of unbelievers or believers that may be on the fence or even other believers. Leave that judging the heart of someone to him. Mm-hmm. But in this moment, whenever I had had pulled away from him and walked away from him, I realized that I lost a lot. One of those things being my birthright. Mm. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but the first time I can really think about hearing about a birthright story that sticks in my head is Jacob, Jacob and Esau. Esau. Yeah. yeah. And for those who don't know the story, you want to tell them a little bit about the story? Yeah, well, I mean, so Jacob and Esau were Isaac's Isaac's kids. Right. They were twins inside Rebecca. So Isaac and Rebecca are their parents. And 
Rebecca, as I recall, so that she's pregnant with them and they're like tossing around in her belly. Mm-hmm. All pregnant women know what it feels like to have one. I don't know what it feels like to have two in there, but she's feeling like, <laughs> I guess what feels like a war inside of her. And so she goes to God and she talks to God and, and like questions him, like, what is happening here? Makes me kind of wonder what she actually, what that felt like. Anyway, mm-hmm. I won't chase that. I won't chase right. that rabbit trail. Um, but anyway, so she goes to God and seeks his wisdom in that, like, what's happening? And um, he tells her, you, you know, you have two nations inside of you. And one, the older, will serve the younger. And so it was prophesied before these twins were ever born that something was going to happen and the younger one would be serving, or the older one would be serving the younger one. The younger one would be um, carrying out, I guess, the family legacy and covenant and blessing that had been on Abraham. So a little genealogy lesson, I guess, is Isaac is Abraham's son. Abraham had been promised that he would be made a great nation. God asked him, I think, didn't he tell him, look at the stars, all of the stars that you see, your descendants will be this numerous. And so this is the same, this is same Abraham down. also who took Isaac to be sacrificed, mm-hmm. if you know scripture. So now Isaac is a grown man. He's married to Rebecca. Rebecca gets pregnant. And we have Jacob and Esau tossing around two nations inside Rebecca's womb. Um, and so they're born. Mm-hmm. And I think the scripture even says that they come out with Jacob holding on to the heel of Esau. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. So this is found in Genesis 25, right? Yeah, yeah 25, 19 through 34-ish, I think. Right. But the whole, I think part of the whole chapter, really, and maybe even part of the next one talks mm-hmm. about some of the things that we're going to talk about. Yeah, there's some follow-up tells you more about the story. But in Genesis 25, starting around in 27, um, the, it talks about how the boys grew up. Esau becomes a skillful skillful hunter and a man of the open country, while Jacob is described as a quiet man staying among the tents. He stayed around, around and helped his mom cook. Like he, I don't know what else he did, but he didn't go hunt. And... Um, so once uh, Esau but, went out, okay, go ahead. Yeah, I just want to do something real quick. So I want to talk about the birthright for just a second mm-hmm. because I don't know about y'all, but birthrights are something that aren't like typically cultural right now mm-hmm. for us. And so in this time frame when they were born, a birthright is what is is a privilege that was entitled to the firstborn. Yes. And the firstborn back then of the Jewish family, they received two-thirds of their father's land. They received more of his inheritance. They also had the right to the priesthood back then so that they could um, stand on behalf of their family. They represented they repre- their family. Yes, they represented their family um, in the absence of the father. And they they were also responsible for anybody else in the family would have to answer to them if the father was not there. Mm-hmm. They had big responsibility. Right. It's it was not just physical um privileges that they got. Right. It wasn't just it was also spiritual money. and mm-hmm. that has to do with that priesthood anointing that they were mm-hmm. they were given. 
Um, mm. And I just wanted to say that because we don't, a lot of us don't have birthright knowledge, mm-hmm. you know, because that's not something that, that happens anymore. Mm-hmm. But anyway, go ahead. Right. I that's not a word we use. But the birthright, the heart of, at the heart of the birthright were the covenant promises that Isaac had inherited from his father, Abraham. Right. So that's pretty, a pretty big deal. Yes. It's a real big deal. So um, Esau is out in the woods hunting mm-hmm. and he's coming in from a hunt and he's famished and his brother Jacob has just made some red lentil stew something like that something yeah. like that and he says basically he feels like he's dying of starvation Esau is and he comes in and, his, and it's funny the scripture makes mention to this lentil stew being the stew being like a stew that they make when people are mourning Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, interesting. Huh. Well, he would be. Right? <laughs> That's a prophetic stew. Yeah. Um. So he comes in and he's starving. And so in the moment, because he is so hungry, you know. He asks he, he, he asks his brother for some. Mm-hmm. And what does Jacob tell him? He tells him that he has to give up his birthright, that he'd give it to him for his birthright. Yeah, I'll trade you the birthright for this stew. And he says yes. Esau what says he said yes. was, what good is it to me? If I'm dead. He despised his birthright. Mm-hmm. He didn't want it. Mm-hmm. So he gave it to him. He gave Jacob the right to all of his inheritance and to all of his blessings. Yeah. Because in the moment he was hungry. His hunger screamed louder than the logic of, dude, you are about to give. Do you Do you know what you're giving up. So in the moment, how he feels, his hunger, the pain of the moment, the instant, I guess he wanted instant gratification. Right. He wanted not to be hungry. Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you're not sure how to turn it into reality? You need Ready, Set, Podcast. They make it super easy to create your own podcast. They can help record, edit, and publish your idea. They have prices to fit any budget and options for both hobbyists and professional podcasters. So if you have an idea, reach out to them for a free consultation on their website or social media at www.readysetpodcast.xyz. Ready, Set, Podcast, turning your brilliant idea into reality. And so he sacrificed in that moment his birthright, all the things we just talked about, his faith, his eternal inheritance, all of that for something that was meaningless and perishable. Literally something. Mm-hmm. He's going to eat the stew and it's going to be gone. He's going to be hungry by night or by morning. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it's not going to last. He gave it away. He gave away his faith and eternal inheritance. Well, I say his faith. I, he didn't have any faith or he wouldn't have done that. But <laughs> yeah, and I can say that because the scripture says that. Yeah, it goes on to, about him. It goes on to say those mm-hmm. things, but yeah, it goes on to show that him giving that up to begin with showed his godlessness. Yes, you know, and furthermore, later on, he did not repent. fully repent. Yeah, he, he wasn't remorseful repent. for what he did. He was he was sad. He didn't get he didn't get anything. He didn't get his birthright whenever his father was actually dying. We don't have to tell that whole story since. Yeah. Their topic is the birthright and mm-hmm. what happens there. But when his father was actually dying, he went to his father and he's like, 
you know, I'm ready for my birthright. Basically, the father realizes he's about to die, and he's like, go hunt me up some meat, make me some soup. Let's have this birthright ceremony. I'll give you the blessing I'll after give you the you blessing after this. you do this. Well, little brother steals it, goes in, yeah. puts on a fake fur, pretends to be him. All the things orchestrated between him and his mm-hmm. mom. All that gets done. The father blesses Jacob. Jacob. And Esau shows up, and the father's like, whoa, who who are you? I've already done this. I've already given and, the blessing. Um, uh, we should, shouldn't fail to mention that um, he was blind, so he had to go by feeling and by smell and by what he knew. Right. But um, anyway, the, all that to say that when he come and asked for his blessing, for the blessing that he thought he rightly deserved, even though he had already given it away, the father was like, well, I, I don't have anything left for you. Yeah, there's nothing left. In fact, he gets more of a curse. Yeah, really, <laughs> he gets he a did. blessing. He asks us. This is a couple chapters later. So we started in Genesis twenty-five. Now we're in Genesis twenty-seven. We're yeah. referencing Genesis twenty-seven. But it goes on to say, like he begs him, "Hey, do you you know do you have anything left to bless with you know bless in me?" And he's right. like, "No, I gave it all away. I've already blessed it." And so Esau is weeping, but he's not. He's not, like you said, he's not weeping because he regrets and he's remorseful for what he's already done. No, and I don't even think that it was on his radar at all that he had given away his birthright until the moment that Jacob Mm. got the blessing. Okay. And then basically he prophesies this blessing. Not a blessing, really. It's more of a curse. uh, He says to him, he says to Esau... Your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness and away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke off from your neck. Like, that doesn't sound like a blessing at all, Dad. <laughs> no, like totally doesn't. Like, are you serious? And so he gives up. It does happen for, when since they were um, in utero. It's prophesied that this is going to happen. Yeah. Now, we don't know all the details about, I mean, this was going to happen because it's God's sovereign will. It was prophesied long ago. But how it ended up playing out, Esau did have choices. Yeah, he did. He could have lost that other ways. You know, and it's just like, I just want to point this out. It's just like the enemy. Now, this was Esau's choice, and I'm not saying that anybody tempted him to do that. That is who... He was, and that was the choice he made. He was a godless man, and he was a young man. I just want to also say that because from what I understand, he was probably in the teenage years, maybe even around 15 years old. And I think, thank you, Jesus, (laughs) for not putting me in this time period because they were bound by the law. Mm. They were bound by certain rules. And God judged them harshly in the moment. I mean, like he he was he's a just God. He's sovereign. But I look at some of those things and I'm like, thank you, Jesus, that I was not born then because I too could have been a pillar of salt or mm, yeah. cursed. Or you know, Abraham did all the things he did to get the children of Israel to the promised land, and because he smote a rock. No, Moses. Oh, Moses. Moses. Shoot. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why. Uh, probably because we're talking about Abraham. But Moses did everything he could to get the children of Israel to mm-hmm. the promised land. But because he didn't get to of that, he 
he didn't even get to go in. And I'm like, that would totally been me. Because my anger, <laughs> my anger sometimes, if I'm being honest, is out of check. My mm-hmm. reaction to things is out of proportion to what it should be. Mm-hmm. I don't always walk in the spirit like we're supposed to. It's hard. And I fail miserably every day. And if it weren't for God's grace and being born under that, I I would be in trouble. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I can find myself in trouble right now, and I have it way mm-hmm. easier than they did. Right. And so I'm thankful for that and f- for my life, you know. And we should all be grateful mm-hmm. that we're living in this time rather than then. Mm-hmm. And I also want to go back to get back on topic a little bit. You know, it's just like Satan to hit us when we're at our weakest, when we're hungry, when we're tired, mm-hmm. when we're lonely, when we just broke up with that boyfriend or girlfriend or divorced that husband or wife, when we got kicked off the school basketball team or football team or we got expelled or we lost our job and now we lost our house and now we're homeless and we don't have a place for our kids or even the Stuff that's not quite as devastating, you know, like we had an accident and we can't afford to fix our vehicle and now we Mm -hmm. have to walk or any of those Mm -hmm. things. It's just like Satan to use those opportunities. Mm. And if we are not guarded up, if we don't have that spiritual armor on, we will feel those arrows when he shoots them at us. Sure. And he usually, I mean, he's strategic. He waits till we're on the ground to strike us harder. And if you are not already walking in the Lord when the crisis hits, mm-hmm. whew, finding a faith, finding the Lord in a crisis is so much harder whenever you're on, you're already weak and bloodied. Yeah, you know? he comes to us when we're super in need, sometimes when we're desperate for a solution. And he brings us one. He brings us one that looks like it's going to work, Yeah, looks like it's going to be worthwhile, looks yeah. like it's going to be something that... It, it will fix it. It'll mm-hmm. work. We can do this. And then we wake up and find out that we've missed our destiny because we've sold our birthright for the easier, softer way. Mm-hmm. How many lentil stews have we eaten Yeah, when we had God's best we that had we missed out on? The Jesus buffet over here, and we had to eat that lentil soup because we couldn't be patient for him to... Put that in front of us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Just like Esau, how that looks today. Yeah. That's... How does that birthright... You said earlier, when we jumped into this story, you said earlier it was kind of like where that crossroads that you were at mm-hmm. was like selling your birthright. I sold my birthright. You know? Essentially, whenever we give our lives to Christ... When we repent, when we submit to him, when we proclaim he is the Lord of our life and he is the only begotten of the Father and that he died for our sins. And when all of those things happen, we come into relationship with him and he makes us through the blood of Christ joint heirs with him. Mm -hmm. He is the firstborn son and he has all of these Benefits, I guess you call it. He yeah, has the birthright. There's a lot of benefits package. You know, yeah. Just like the birthright has this benefits package that it did under the old law with the Israelites. We have like the modern day benefits package. Yes. You know, post-Jesus <laughs> looks like this. 
when you believe and you come into repentance and you receive the Lord and all the things that he says, he says, I am the Almighty, the Alpha, mm-hmm. Omega, beginning and end. My son is Jesus. The gift of the Holy Spirit is your helper yes. here on the earth. Receive him. When you come into that, when you when you say, I am a sinner, you declare that you're a sinner, you repent. And most importantly, when you do those things, all of those things are forgotten because the blood of Christ covers them. Yes. yes. So you stand there. You can stand before God blameless. Yes. Because of that blood. Because um, of that birthright. And it is not based on feelings. It's based on his free gifts. Yes. It is a gift when you make these decisions this is the benefits package. When you purchase the benefits package yes. with that choice, you don't get to say, like, right. you don't feel we saved acquired all the time. It. We didn't purchase it. Well, Let's, that's true. Yeah. It's purchased by yeah, yeah. Jesus. Jesus, blood. Jesus purchased it. We just acquired it yes. by accepting. By making a choice mm-hmm. to believe and come into and receive what he has already given. Whenever we make that choice, this is a byproduct. This is what we get. Yes. It is not something that we earn. No man gets this. And I want to say that they're just like before they were born in mm-hmm. the womb, they, there was already a plan in place for them. We each have that same thing. Yes. We all have blessings attached to our lives. Yes. And if we choose to walk in those blessings because of Christ, if we choose to walk in that, wow, what God can do. Yeah. You know? Every one of us has spiritual giftings Mm -hmm. that are unique to us. We have giftings in many areas, I think, that are even non-spiritual. We have physical giftings. And just blessings. We that have, are... oh, yes. We have, we are uniquely, each of us are uniquely made and fashioned with a unique purpose for a certain time, mm-hmm. for a certain destiny. And we have to agree to live that out. And that's what surrender, that's literally what, what he means when he says, you give up your life to find it. Mm-hmm. I'm laying down on the altar what Bonnie wants for Bonnie's right. life in exchange for what God wants for Bonnie's life. God, who do you want me to be? What do you want me to be doing? Yeah. And some of the things that get in the way of us doing just that and get in the way of us um, walking in that anointing, walking in those birthrights and accepting those birthrights are things that are everyday things. Sin. Mm-hmm. If you enjoy that sinful life, you know, if you, if you want fun, to sin and you enjoy it, mm-hmm. you're going to give it up your birthright. You are exchanging it. Yes. If you have doubt and unbelief, and I'm not talking about everybody questions at some point things. If you don't, I'll be surprised. I mean, you have to have wonder at times in your life. You have to have doubt to have faith. Yeah, doubt is on the road to faith. Yes, I think so too. And if, but if you stay there, if you stay in that, and you never find your way to Mm -hmm. faith, then you've sold your birthright. You've Mm -hmm. missed out on it. If you're self centered, Mm -hmm. if you want your will and what you want more than what God wants for you or what God's will is. Or even 
to the point that you exploit others for your selfish will, your mm-hmm. selfish desires and mm-hmm. wants and needs, you're missing your birthright. Yeah. You are giving it up. Yeah. You know, as you say this, I'm convicted about something that we just talked about. We just had this conversation about certain things that God has laid on our life. And there's there's so much that he's asking us to do. And I feel like sometimes, and I have, I've said to him like, Lord, I'm, I am all filled up with the things you want me to do. Like, yeah. all stocked up here. Can you knock on somebody else's door, please, sir? <laughs> you know? And he has put on another, you know, another thing that he wants us to work on. And I was like, I'm all full, God. Like, that's how I feel. I'm like, I'm doing this. You've asked me to do that. I feel like I'm trying. I'm a little overwhelmed, sir. Yeah. And that as you say that, it, it speaks to me, you know, that there are all of these things he's asking me to do. And then when he adds something else, I'm like, okay, you have really maxed out your capacity. For- <laughs> <laughs> I know you, that your son died for me. You wrote like all of these things you've done, but I don't know if I can do that, that thing. And I'm like, as you say, as you're saying these things, I'm convicted. Like, okay, I'll, I'll do the other thing. I'll do what you say. Well, it's just... If that is what you want me to do. Because if that is what you want me to do, I should be willing to do it. Well, it's it's hard for us sometimes. And we all are guilty of this, if we're being honest. It feels overwhelming to us because we try to take it all on ourselves. Yeah. We try to take ownership of that. And ultimately, the deal is we have to find a way to surrender it to God and to trust that if he wants us to do something, he will make that way. And the process that we go through sometimes is hard and yucky and feels gross, but ultimately he is going to see us through it, especially when he tells you over and over. I know for me, sometimes I'm like, Jesus, you just, I know you've said it 300 times, but it's me again. It's me again, Jesus. I'm going to need it 352 more times. Because I'm strong-willed, mm-hmm. and I'm hard-headed, and sometimes I'm just lazy, or I just don't want to. I'm like, we joke a lot. Can we just be normal people today? <laughs> like, can we just watch a 30-minute TV show, yeah. like, once a month or yeah. something? Like, can we, just for a minute, because we're overwhelmed with life, but, mm-hmm. and I'm as guilty as anyone else, you know, and I have to repent all the time, because yeah. I will be... Not thinking with, this is what God wants, I'm going to do this. I'm thinking Mm -hmm. with, how do I do this? I got to do this, and I got to do this, and I got to do this. Well, none of those things matter, ultimately. Mm -hmm. If God wants it done, he'll get it done one way or the other. Because he doesn't work in the logical realm that we do. That's right. I have to say that all the time. I'm like, there are so many, only so many hours, God. If you want all this to happen, like... I don't know how it's going to happen because I'm playing with a logical brain Mm -hmm. and he doesn't work. I mean, there's a reason why we named this podcast God Be Crazy because he straight up is. Yes. (laughs) He is crazy. And he he works outside of the realm of normal logic. Things that should not happen come together. Yes. We did something last week and you and I were like, that could not have been orchestrated by anything else. Like, actually, all the flip-flop bad things that we did or mistakes we made led us right where we needed to be, which is right where we needed to be. And everything happened according to and on his time. And to me, 
it felt like it was late. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, I was like, that deadline almost got missed. You came in in the clutch, man. But actually, it orchestrated. That was the plan all I along. Know. And the thing was, we tried to do it our own way. Before the before deadline. The de- before his timing. <laughs> yeah. And because of that, it felt like everything was a grind. Everything was a fight. Everything didn't work out. Things got canceled. Things got moved. Things were missing. I was like, what are you, are you kidding? How does this even happen? But it all went back to, it mm-hmm. ended up perfect. Exactly yeah. where we were supposed to be. When we yeah. were supposed to be there. With the people we were supposed to be there with. Because... It was his timing. Yeah. So, it's kind of like this. When you actually sell out to him, you get options. And your options kind of go <laughs> like this. You'll get there the hard way, kicking and screaming, trying to do it your way, and then find out it's his way anyway. Mm-hmm. Or, eventually, somehow, I don't know how this works, I ain't found it yet, but when I get there, I'll let you know how it feels. That you just trust that he's going to do it every time and it happens in the right timing. Mm-hmm. You know? He like, must get real sick of us. Oh, yeah. But yet I know he loves us so. You know, like, have I not taught yeah. you this lesson? You know, when you look at the lessons of the Israelites grumbling in the desert, whenever they've, like, they're complaining, and it's easy to go, oh, my goodness, those Israelites, they just complain. The Lord has, like, brought them out of Egypt, and he's given them the promised land, he's doing all these things. We're them. Like, so quickly we forget what he's done mm-hmm. and how he works and how he's provided and how he... he is who he says he is. And so it's it's hard to remember that, you know, in this flesh, you know. There but, was, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, there was one other thing that I wanted to bring up. That something else when we were talking about, like, going, going through, like, a little list of being self-centered and all these different things that, that steal your birthright and their mm-hmm. choices that you make. One of the other things that stands out to me when I think about this topic is is being unteachable, you know. And... I find, for me, that that's something I struggle with sometimes. I'll be like, oh, well, I already know that. But then I'm like, I've learned repeatedly to be open to everything that he has to say. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we'll read, even reading this. We're not going to get into this today. But even reading for this and Mm -hmm. preparing for this topic, you and I come across something and we were like, are you kidding? What? I've never seen that before in Scripture. Mm -hmm. And... It always blows my mind how how much of a living, a true living word the scripture is and how much 100%. you can learn from it every time you open mm-hmm. it. And you can read something you've read 50 times and get something different from mm-hmm. it because he's speaking to you through it. Sure. It is captivating. I mean, the the Bible is captivating. If you get in it, it's really a fascinating read. If you like, can get past those begots, <laughs> I'm telling you, or it's the worth laws. It. The yeah. laws are hard. The, the laws and the begots. That's but, hard, but it is super fascinating. But we were reading this, and it's like, how have we read this same story five thousand times? One of the most common stories in the Bible, and never known this. Don't worry, we will share this with you. It's yeah. coming. <laughs> we it, it is coming. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's crazy. You know, it's a crazy fun ride. And this, this particular topic is relevant. It's real. It was relevant then. It's relevant now. The enemy will work in your weakness to manipulate you and try to get you to sell your birthright, to walk away from God. 
And sometimes it's not as big as walking away from God. Mm -hmm. Because there are many people sitting in churches, sitting in schools, sitting in wherever, who will claim to be a Christian, claim to have a relationship with God. Mm -hmm. But they they don't live Mm -hmm. like they have a relationship with God. Yeah, compromised. Split. That is the same as selling your birthright. Yes. If you want to walk in the promises that God has put on your life, walk into the blessings that God has gifted you with, walk into the um, the gifts of the Spirit that God has given you. Mm. If you want that in your life and you want to grow close, closer to God and you want a real relationship with Him, that is something that you have to seek every single day. You don't just go... I'm a Christian, and voila, that's it for the rest of your life. It is a, it is a ongoing relationship, and if the beauty of it is, if you will do it, you will be amazed at the things that God does and the way He works, and you will mm-hmm. fall in love with Him. Having an experience with Him, like having a relationship, means you get to experience. A relationship. A relationship is two ways. Yes. It's an interaction. You hear from him in mm-hmm. unique ways. You share with him. You get responses back. Right. It's it's an ongoing communication just like a human to human friendship, you know? And it is fascinating to me when people say, I don't hear from God. I'm like, Is your Bible open? Are you seeking? Because you're gonna if you're seeking. He promises that. That's not like a maybe. That's and a, if, that's a guarantee. And if you don't know him at all and have never even read the Bible, I ask you to look in your heart. Get it. Don't okay. Read your Bible. Don't read your Bible. Start with talking to him. Mm-hmm. Sit with him. Don't just God. I want this. I need this. Thanks for that. No. Sit with him and say, Lord, I don't know anything about you. But I have heard that you love me. And I have heard that you sent your son to die for me. And I just want to know what to do from here. Guide me. Teach me. Guide Mm -hmm. me. Show me. Send somebody my way. And then sit in that and wait for a response. And don't do it once and walk away. Come back and be like, Lord, if you sent somebody, I didn't see them. Can you... Show me. And then start reading his word mm-hmm. a little bit. I, I mm-hmm. suggest you you skip to the New Testament to start. <laughs> it's a little... It's, it's, it's the easier. The Gospels, perhaps. Start with the Gospels. Yeah. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Acts. Read mm-hmm. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Yeah. And then Romans. I was going to say, oh, I love Romans. Romans. Romans is a packed book. And then, it's so important. I'm not saying skip the Old Testament because, man, there's so much good stuff in there. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It's a little bit harder for the new person to to get into that and dig into it and stick with it so mm-hmm. but you got to walk before you run you yes. don't you don't jump and like go do a marathon yes i mean you you get up off the couch and you start moving. find your friend who yeah. says that they're sold out and looks like they're sold out mm-hmm. you know because like you said i the compromised thing i think um all of us if we're honest will say that even though we 
even we all wrestle with flesh. Yes. We all wrestle with yeah, our own do. flesh. We're all going to wrestle in our sin even after we go sold out, yes. as we say. You're still, just because I'm sold out to the Lord doesn't mean I have to be reconciled to Him daily. It doesn't mean that I just get to live a, a you know, fancy free life and I don't think about it. It means daily I have to die to myself. Daily I have to look in my own mirror. The more that you're looking in your own mirror and you're asking the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the Lord, all God Almighty who knows you like nobody else ever could, to reveal to you what is true, yeah. He will do that. Mm-hmm. And that is, that's your guide. But whenever we're doing that, like there's gonna be, you have to agree, like just because I said I was a sinner and I confessed that once, you're daily confessing, <laughs> I'm a sinner. Hey, it's me. I'm really struggling in this. Or I really, you know, you, he will convict you about what needs to be cleaned up. And he's always, you know, he's always got work to do in all of us. And so, just you know. ask, you know, if there's yeah, any will. sin in me, mm-hmm. clean it show, up. show me it and so that I can walk the away way. from it, mm-hmm. you know? If I'm living compromise, it's not if. It's what areas? What areas are you compromised in? That is totally true. Yeah, it's not if, but what. Everybody has Satan. Satan is pulling the strings somewhere in your life. Where is it? It's not is he, but he's crafty. He can get you to sign agreements you never even know you did. Yes, we can. We can make agreements that we don't even know we've made. Right. There have been times where we've talked about this where. We'll be, we pray to break agreements with the enemy on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And sometimes whenever that happens, like you or I will get our Holy Spirit whoosh. And we're like, whoa, he's confirming that we've made an agreement. Like we didn't even real. I don't even know what it was. What was right. it, Jesus? You know, like what happened? Um, we're subconsciously, even just little things, you know, we curse ourselves. When you look in the mirror and go, oh, I hate that. That's a curse on that part of you, you know? We look at ourselves with disdain. We wear shame longer than we're allotted to do yeah. that. He did not. He did not. He does not want us to do that. Guilt. Guilt is corrective. Shame sinks. So anyway, wait. What did you say? Shame, guilt is corrective. The emotion of guilt oh, okay. is corrective. It prompts us to correct something. Shame says to us, "You are bad. You're dirty. You can't be cleaned up." Yeah. That is a message from hell. Guilt is a message from heaven, and you can process through shame to to feel and experience guilt more readily because, you know, shame is, you can't thrive in shame, but guilt does correct. It leads us to repentance, and so that is where we should all be. No one's ever going to get cleaned up um, perfectly this side of heaven. Jesus was the only one, and that means we're to be in a constant striving for what is the truth and to be breaking those agreements. Because like you said, um, we don't want to sell our birthright. Some people don't get to that place. Like I said earlier at the beginning of this episode, I haven't ever been to the place where I thought I'll just completely walk away. away. But I have been, I have lived life compromised. I have lived life with uh, in denial about certain areas in my life or certain situations in my life or deceived myself into believing something which maybe I deceived myself maybe I had some help from hell I don't know (laughs) but one way or another I deceived myself into believing something is true and so I'll walk it out in sin (laughs) you know and as he's revealed that to me 
um, I have a, a decision to make. I can repent. I can live differently. And immediately, not when I feel it, but immediately that is covered. Yeah. Because feelings are not truth. Sometimes they are, but sometimes they ain't. And whenever you, you don't have to wait for the feeling to feel saved, to actually be saved. You know, right. you struggle with that because your worthiness has been under attack since you were probably in utero yeah. as well. And, <laughs> and because of that, I have to say to you sometimes, I know you feel like you're not, but friend, here's the truth. Right. Here is the truth. Your worthiness has already, the, the, the truth about your worthiness has been taken from you and decided in your favor. The Lord has taken that and said, you actually are worthy. I'm, de- I'm answering that for you. Because I'm covered you by are his covered blood. By his blood, period. And because of that, I am worthy. Yes. So wear it. Yeah. So the question today that we have for everyone is, have you sold your inheritance? Have you given up your birthright? On the altar of self-centeredness or jealousy or the love of money or pride, greed, greed, addiction, addiction, anger, hatred. Is there anything in you that is causing you to be live compromise? Or to put above, idolize above the Lord. Yeah. If it is, it's got to go. We hope you choose that. Bring it to Him. Because He loves you. Mm Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening to the God Be Crazy podcast. If the message of the podcast resonates with you, please make sure to subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. We also encourage you to rate and review it on your favorite podcast platform. By doing this, you may help others hear the podcast as well. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or just share it the good old fashioned way. Talk about it with the people in your life. It is our hope that you will be blessed and strengthened by the truth and crazy love of God. 